Welcome, listeners, to the finale episode of Disco Fever, Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery, Episode 13, That Hope Is You. And once again, the two marks are delivering a reverent review, providing you lively debate, conversation, and social commentary. Has this episode wrapped using the last of their MacGuffins? Will Buck and his Dr. Doolittle abilities stick around for Season 4? Has Dr. Culber gone all Dr. Phil? Can someone explain to me how their promotions work in the Starfleet future? Have the two marks correctly guessed how this season will end? All this and much more will be unpacked in this week's episode. Let me introduce my friend and co-host, Mr. Mark Pollard. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Not too bad. And my neighbours have just done a sex tape. Obviously, they don't know that yet. I was just about to say about how I was during your intro, I was waving my arms around like an arse. Well, I was waving my arms around in celebration of the fact that I got largely everything right and I'm feeling quite smug. And stay tuned, people, for next week's lottery numbers, which I will also provide whilst I'm on a roll. Well, firstly, you look like you're wanking off a giant. (laughs) And secondly, you say you, I think you'll find if you check the recording from the show it was actually both of us have been right on many occasions to be fair it didn't take a genius to get whoa 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 don't be downplaying my predictions these aren't things that I generally get right on a regular basis quite often when I try and predict I don't know a film or a series as it's going through I'm invariably wrong and thankfully by the grace of God that I'm the one only one sitting in the room watching the show or the missus who generally ignores everything I say anyway is the only witness to my predictions predictions when they do go wrong i'm taking full opportunity just to gloat about the fact that i got something right for a change oh i think you got most things right between the two of us i would suggest that a lot of the things that we predicted a lot of things we predicted didn't come true but a lot of things that we predicted have happened would you need to hand up onto my bandwagon is that what you i got the feeling you were on my soapbox (laughs) sliding in I wasn't sure. Well, up until we began this episode, I was on my own, and then I looked behind me, and you've gagged in. <laughs> so I don't know how my correct predictions have ended up being your correct predictions, but you know what? Own it. Well, should we tell everyone about how they can listen to the previous shows so they can double-check that I was right and that you have jumped on my bandwagon? So if you want to listen to previous shows, then you can go and find us on all of the major podcast platforms. You can find us on Disco Fever, or you can actually check out Picard Talk. That's P-I-C-H-A-R-D, talk, podcast feeds. We're actually going to be transferring them over to a brand new feed as well, the uh, Two Marks Presents, which just to further complicate things, that's just to streamline things because it's hurting our heads having to do more work as we do more and more different shows. Because, of course, we've got a film policy, which is a, a movie one. We've got a couple of other ones to do as well. So it's one of those things where we've made more work for ourselves and we're rapidly trying to backtrack as quickly as possible (laughs) you can also check us out on social media and now i'm hesitant to give you the name you can find us either depending upon the 
time of listening to this, we might have gone the two marks route. Otherwise, Picard Talk is the channel to find us on. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But as I say, if you can't find the Picard Talk one, look for the two marks, which we will again hopefully be transferring the names over very shortly. Certainly in time for the season four of Star Trek Discovery, <laughs> uh, which will probably be around about the time that Matt finishes editing seasons one and two. Yes, it keeps on giving. <laughs> if you want to email us, I don't know, you've got too much time on your hands, discofever.thepodstation.co.uk, but it'd probably be better just to message and comment and generally abuse us on social media. Well, everyone's in tier 12, so they've got loads of time. Shall we get into the nitty-gritty? Because this is the final season. I mean, I suppose just before we get stuck in, the plan is to do like a, an overview of season three show after this, when we might have a couple of guests on as well who've been on some of the Picard episodes just to chew the fat on our general thoughts of the season as a whole and don't panic because at, at the end of our disco fever journey we're not going anywhere because as I say if you subscribe to the two marks channel you'll actually be able to get future season four disco fever episodes plus you'll be able to get season two Picard talk episodes plus you'll be able to get all the other shows that we do all the film and tv gubbins to boot so shall we get stuck into this episode my friend absolutely yes why not right synopsis wise break it down to me in simpleton terms as the emerald chain tightens its grip can the mystery of the burn finally be solved Benham and the crew have one last chance to save themselves and the federation discuss so i see we should approach this in two ways number one did we like this episode and number two how did we feel about the ending i want to try and keep this as focused as we are able and i use the word focus lightly because i don't think we've ever been focused during the entire course of these episodes but try and keep it focused to looking at this episode in isolation because as i've just mentioned we're going to be looking at the season as a whole more generally in the next and final episode of this this particular season so over to you dude what did you think Mm. (laughs) now is that about the episode or is that about the ending (laughs) well the ending was kind of predicted i thought that was what was going to happen it wasn't a surprise when the thing that i thought was going to happen happened the episode was just full of any possible storytelling mcguffin was used in this episode i mean it was an hour and one minutes long within the first 60 seconds it sort of solved the problem about the radiation thing it didn't rock my world it's as if because they've been in lockdown they've not had the access to the special effects or crew that they would normally have when this is on just yeah it wasn't great yeah there was bits but to be fair some of the bits i fast forwarded because i thought it was a bit like the bold and the beautiful it's like <laughs> do you know what that's you see i've broken this into plot a and plot b plot a was obviously the shit storyline and that was quite exciting there was lots going on it, it was a good solid episode for that plot b which was obviously the holodeck thing oh my god God, I kept on having to give myself a shot of adrenaline just to make sure I was awake. That holodeck thing should have been a storyline that was done in one episode and it should have been a single episode, mid-episode thing. It serves zero. I mean, the burn bit, which we'll come to, was utter rubbish. But, God, they really had to drag that 
out, didn't they? Well, for the fact that the episode is at over an hour, and one of the things we've been screaming for is to have longer episodes so they can tell a better story. The one chance they've had to tell a better story was absolutely diabolical. The reason I fast-forwarded through some of the holodeck bit you're talking about is because, well, just why? Why do, it, why do we need that? There's far more important things to talk about than that and, and even be bothered about. If, if you're telling me that a horny teenager has created the burn <laughs> after, after my... After my investment of 13 fucking episodes, that a guy who's just found his pubes got a bit of a tantrum on and killed millions of people. In fairness, his mum his mum had just died. I mean, tantrum's probably a harsh assessment of his angst caused by the death of his mother. But I know what yeah. you mean. Well, okay, his, his mum died, but I'm sure if people have, have suffered loss, they don't go and kill millions of people. We notably know one person who's done that. But other than him... <laughs> Other than him, this guy got a bit angry, killed millions of people, and what I want to know is, will there be a Geneva trial? Will he be held accountable for genocide? Will I be in season four? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, I mean, did you think at the beginning of this episode that you'd fallen asleep? Because it's, yes. it's I was like, do I need to go back and re- watch episode 12? Have I, have I fallen asleep or have I just blacked out? For a minute, I, I didn't know whether I'd passed out. I was, I was like checking my head for blood to make sure I hadn't banged my head because they suddenly magically captured Book, the green girl. What's the green girl called? Asira. Asira magically appeared on Voyager. They magically caught Burnham. I mean, it was like, oh, hang on a minute. I've, I've missed a load of stuff here. Um, Till he had unzipped the top of a, a uniform. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's happened? I've missed a load of stuff here. And then I realised that they just couldn't be asked doing that bit of the story, <laughs> so they just skipped it. And actually, they didn't need to skip it. What they could have done is covered it in a 10-minute period and cut the plot B down by 10 minutes. They could have increased certain parts of this episode and just completely cut others to save the value of threads that they've created. I mean... Put it this way, why did we not see in the final act of this episode the warrior nuns fly in with a fleet of ships, you've set it up, you've, you've introduced them, you've set it up, where's their mum? That was one of the bloody questions of episode one. Why didn't they come flying in to the rescue? No, we've got a bloody the throwaway uh, comment about using the Voyager, which is just a disgrace to do a cheeky Easter egg and go, oh, get the, get the Voyager to position to 001, whatever, and... Everyone's firing on a ship that's just managed to get through the shields somehow, which is a bit stupid, considering that you're supposed to be all cloaked and hidden. And then that's all resolved very quickly. You've also, you've got a damaged nacelle, just another thing off the top of my head. I thought the nacelles were detachable, so what's the point of it being detachable if when it's destroyed, it's still part of your ship? <laughs> what's the point of that? Also, who's going to go wandering in a nacelle? nacelle? It's just ridiculous. The whole thing's odd. And so I just thought all these things you've set up across the whole of this series, characters who we've met for one episode and they disappear and then they come back all in, in different parts. Why have we not made use of the warrior nuns? We know the kick-ass. Well, I was a bit confused. There was a couple of things that were confusing me and that's obviously a common occurrence in my life. But the MacGuffin, which was the sphere data, which had implanted its pawn bank onto some little robots. But that was because it hadn't been deleted from the system. And so if it was on the system, why wasn't the sphere 
data? Why wasn't it able to, I don't know, undermine the programs that they'd installed on Discovery? Because if it was still part of the system, presumably it could have been doing stuff on the ship as a whole. So when they decided to switch the oxygen off to choke everybody, and by the way, holding your breath for 10 minutes is an impressive gig. (laughs) Um, I tried holding it for 10 seconds and nearly passed out. In fact, maybe I maybe I did try that, passed out, and that's why I woke up like 10 minutes into the storyline. But the Sphere could have like fixed the whole life systems issue that they had because they could have gone, oh, yeah, can you switch them back on again, Sphere, because you, you're still on the system? Yes, no problem, because we're dead clever, because we were able to transfer our consciousness into robots as well as remaining on the system. You know what I mean? I agree, but that's easy That's easy to do, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I thought it was a bit weird. I mean, I like the fast-paced approach to it, where they're kind of running through turbo lifts and all that kind of thing, but it was all over far too quickly. And for things that have been built up and set up over the whole season, it just seemed to be a really bad payoff for those outcomes. Well, Burnham you know, was doing quite well evading capture at the end of episode 12 and then had suddenly got herself caught by the beginning of episode 13 and Buck was much the same wasn't he I mean he was standing there looking like a, a naughty little school kid yeah it's it was just over far too quickly. I don't know. I also think that when you've had the season and even the previous season develop the essentially the supporting actors in the show, why is it always the same people solving the problems? So, for example, we've said this before in other episodes of this, where like Burnham's always on the away team. And in particular, this, this season's been Burnham and Buck. I know Tilly's been brought in a bit more to levitate her character. But basically, by the end of it, it's back to the way it was in season two. You know, it's the same people all the time. Why, have we, why haven't we got owo or reno why haven't we got reno who we've said many times survived a planet on her own using her wit her experience and knowledge of technology why have we not seen her being the person that solves a problem or be a person on an away team or something i know she's probably technically engineering and you probably wouldn't have that happen well let's be honest you had tilly on an away mission she was as much use as an ashtray on a motorbike well she well well we had tilly as captain i mean that for me has slightly tarnished that character because i now look at her as a bit of a, a failure because i thought she was a rubbish captain and but i don't think she should have ever been made captain but now she has you kind of look at her and go yeah you were captain and now in future when you need to sit in the captain seat we're going to have this really frustrating dead tropey oh have i got the confidence to do it because i failed the first time round nonsense yeah that thing didn't sit right when we were talking about it at the time the latest revelation which is if you recall the guy we saw in episode one who sat at his desk the non-commissioned officer i might add who'd sat at a desk for 40 years waiting for someone to reignite starfleet is now a lieutenant if you're american <laughs> in fact, however if you're english it's lieutenant just saying he's now a lieutenant ensign tilly has been an ensign for at least three years that we know of which is a seasons so she becomes captain so an ensign becomes captain and a guy man down the pub who sat at a desk for 40 years doing very little other than just listening out for the doorbell (laughs) he is now a lieutenant he was lovely though oh is that how you get promotion these days I'm fucking lovely well that's a matter that's a matter of opinion get in touch people let us know whether you think Mark is lovely you've seen all the shitty photos don't use them as your reference Dig deep, guys. Use your emotion. Pretend it's an exchange between Dr. Culber and Adira. Where should we start on this whole ship thing? We obviously have the 
life support issue which is has got everyone gasping for breath as they all walk together as a team sharing oxygen wouldn't it have made more sense for just a couple of them to go and the rest to save themselves as much oxygen as possible short answer is yes but let's think about the other way two people who there's a couple of things here actually you've got different species and none of us know how they breathe linus with the big eyeballs but didn't they get didn't they release all the crew it was only the bridge crew i think they kept on the ship yeah oh i might have been holding my breath and suddenly had an aneurysm maybe that's what happened that's probably true well let's pretend we've written the story the way it should have gone i would have walked myself to the room where they store all the spacesuits jumped in a spacesuit and done what ripley did in alien and just sit in it with its own oxygen supply and then reboot all of this that's a good idea and actually they'd also met the robots aren't they in the last episode with the sphere data robots so couldn't they have just told them what needed to be done and sent them on their merry way instead they were sending the only thing that could breathe in this environment in first to get shot and exploded like an episode of Mandalorian. Yes, I love how that's your reference point now. Oh yeah, I'm watching it the second time now and loving it just as much. Welcome to the 21st century, my friend. (laughs) I had a feeling you'd like it, but now you you get the point of what I was saying, but that's how you tell a good story. And in fact, you'll remember on season two of Mandalorian, one of the episodes is 31 minutes, 31 minutes, and it still manages to tell a story and you don't feel like it's 31 minutes. It's just a wonderful process of of storytelling. Anyway, back to reality. They could have done a lot of things to restore life support. They didn't. Yeah. And so instead we've got people gasping, falling all over the place in the ship. It's very annoying, isn't it? It's sad that we've sat through this. I remember you saying that you'd be a little bit peeved if after all of your viewing we got to an ending that was less than... I think one of the problems, I I think one of the issues as well, we've touched on this a couple of times, is that we know... Now they've decided to sort of ditch the Game of Thrones approach and go down a little bit more of a a traditional Star Trek approach. You've kind of lost that element of life and death in situations like that because I've got very little belief that Owo was ever in that level of danger Mm. that she might potentially find herself exploded when doing the nacelle thing it just seems to me that she was always going to get out of that pickle and when the robots arrived to pull her out i'm thinking well she's going to be all right then isn't she and then once you know she's going to be all right and that it's only down to all of the main bridge crew all choking for oxygen that's when you know that they're going to be able to save the day because they're not going to kill off the whole of the bridge crew are they that doesn't leave an awful lot of uh, direction to go for the next episode which is a shame because if someone like Owo would have been sacrificed in the same way as Arium gets killed, that had, even though we didn't really know that character very well, that had quite an emotional poignancy to it. And I, I use the word nice loosely but it would have been nice to have had some sort of casualty as a result of this whole debacle. Otherwise it becomes very 19... 90s Star Trek which loved by the way but doesn't really give you any personal there's no feeling of loss is there there's no stakes that's the word I was looking for I mean the only thing I could compare it to is the loss of Tasha Yar in her season one I think that came as a shock I mean I realise it came from a position because the character or the actress playing the character wasn't happy about the lack of development of her character and they obviously brought her back with plans to do other bits and pieces in the future Enterprise 
Enterprise with the Enterprise C, etc. I enjoyed her character. I, I liked her character. They killed, killed her off and it came as a shock. And that was only season one. And so it can be achieved. And, and that is essentially 1989, isn't it? 87. And I think I realised the balance they've got to play, which is this season they've tried very, very valiantly to build the supporting actors to become more valued and this season has been all very top heavy with touchy feely we're all a family we've all got problems we all need to work together let's have a cup of tea and a slice of cake and resolve our you know sadness has been very emotionally charged in that respect about you know looking after each other and being better to one another and i get all that but i think what that's done has shifted the focus away from the overall storytelling which is what i've said many times is i don't tune in to watch an episode of geraldo it's it's it's, it's for me, I'm happy that that's happening in the background. And it's great that, you know, we think about Enterprise. Picard wasn't happy about having children on board. There's a reason for that. There's not because he hates kids particularly, although I think he does. It's just that he understood that the, the ship was going to go into dangerous places. There's a place for those things to happen. But the viewer can just be aware that they're happening rather than spend valuable storytelling time on developing every single person's emotional journey. Because all that becomes then essentially a dear Marge column. Some people like those episodes. Episodes, and I think perhaps that's just our personal preference on action as opposed to emotion. I think looking at the Star Trek sphere, it does appear that some people love those elements of the show, and I guess that's where the personal preference thing comes in. That's very much relating to B-plot on this, which of course has Saru building this relationship with Tantrum Boy and obviously Adira and Grey sort of supported by the Culbert thing going on on the holodeck planet ship thing which definitely slowed down the pace and isn't really my bag in terms of I'm emotionally inept so not particularly a fan of those kind of parts I don't mind them if they're done well I'm not particularly drawn into this so Saru I found to be quite a whiny little grassy bitch this season he's been the goody goody two shoes and until it suited him then he's jibbed off the rule book to do his own thing uh, whilst grassing people like Burnham up in the process for doing exactly the same thing I didn't necessarily fully buy why he was so smitten with this guy with, with the exception that he's the same race which I mean if every human on Star Trek had the same effect when they met another human god there'd be no one left on Discovery would there uh, <laughs> or in Starfleet for that matter and then you've got this weird thing going on with Grey and I cannot fathom this storyline for love nor money because Grey like all the other previous symbiont hosts is supposed to be as I understand the whole history of this species he is a memory which is kept within the symbiont that Adira is hosting and therefore Grey shouldn't have any consciousness because Grey is essentially a memory not a fully fledged being and there was nothing that happened during Grey's death that would lend itself to justify how Grey is a conscious being and I'm sure they'll try and chew on the fact that the host is within a human as opposed to a trill and this is a side effect and that lets that little doozy out off the hook doesn't it but otherwise there's no justification for why grey has the level of consciousness that exists there and the whole hollow deck thing which even lends even more credibility to grey having a consciousness which again i didn't buy and clearly leaves the door open in season four for a whole doctor 
off Voyager scenario where they'll find a way to transfer Grey's consciousness from Adira into a holodeck program and then let Grey be able to walk around the ship and visit planets in the same way that the Doctor used to do with a hollow emitter type situation. Just seems a little bit unrealistic. I mean, if you want to go really unrealistic with Grey, he hugged somebody, which in this current climate hugging during the midst of a pandemic is quite frankly totally unrealistic i haven't had a hug for 12 months i can't remember what one of those are and if someone tried to hug me right now i'm not entirely certain i wouldn't try and kill him <laughs> in a bit to stay virus three my mum comes at me at christmas like no stay away mum i'll send you a pillow with my face on <laughs> for me that part of the story didn't slow the plot down because i fast forwarded <laughs> <laughs> so have I, are you unaware of any of the things i've just said i'm not unaware and you know what's really worrying is although i didn't catch all of that i got exactly the same thing as you did but i never watched it all <laughs> but, and so that just tells me how obvious it is what they've done here classic thing they've done they've fucked up basically <laughs> they brought in a character trailblazing character then they've killed them straight away and they've gone shit we shouldn't have killed them because it was quite pioneering quite trailblazing what, what are we going to do here i know what we'll do we'll make them an imaginary friend we've done that mate been done dusted what can we do hologram them okay cool i know make them someone's consciousness they've royally ruined what could have been a wonderful dynamic between two characters that would be pioneering for star trek lore and also bring in a trill make them part of the crew would have been great and they've not done that they They've brought them in and they fucked it up. <laughs> oh dear. Did you know what species Adira was made? It was a weird one, and I have to say, I'm not sure. I'm sure people will say on the basis it's a made up alien. Their ears are supposed to look like that, but their ears look like a really bad makeup job. It looked like they'd just taken a couple of pieces of plastic and just glued them to the outside of her ear. It, it was an odd. Alien. I don't think. Have we ever come across that one before? Who's this? Adira. She had all. Oh, you, well, you might not know because you fast forward this bit. But she she had a face all painted. Sorry, it had a face all painted up, and then they had. Um, it. <laughs> well, what, I, don't, I don't know. That's not a preferred pronoun. They, the sorry, they. <laughs> so they they had the face painted, and then they had um, sort of things on their ears sort of protruding well basically what you've got in this episode is a really shit version of zoom um <laughs> because we're all in lockdown they've probably just been working from home and they've gone i know what we're gonna have to do episode 13 and episode 12 and 13 we're gonna have to do it like a hologram episode because we're all working from home so if you can just log in and put some makeup on and glue some plastic to your ears in post-production we'll just make it look like we're in a hologram so i think that's what's happened the answer to your question is i did see that tattoo it didn't make sense at the time thank you for telling me what it was about Go yeah. Well, if you think that they didn't put enough effort into that, they clearly did put enough effort into what I'm now calling Turboverse, which is oh, no. <laughs> which is which is apparently the central part of the ship where the turbo lifts run, which appears to be a cross between Monsters Inc. when they've got those doors all travelling around everywhere. Yeah. And like an entire universe. I mean the proportionate size of where the turbo lifts travel as against the size of the ship as a whole. I mean, imagine how many more, what's it called, rooms, um, digs. <laughs> You're <laughs> struggling for that word. Be- bedrooms. Uh, okay. 
the digs for the the houses officers I imagine um, how many more uh, oh my god what's the word on sweets <laughs> 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 oh my god, I'm sure it'll come to me at some point. But imagine how many more of those you could have got on that shit if you didn't use three quarters of the internal workings of the shit just to move the turbo lifts around. Seeing as you've highlighted that point, and let's go back to the fact we now know there's about 80-odd people living on the ship. What a fucking waste of space that is. <laughs> 80 people. Do you know 80 people? You can get 80 people into a church hall for a 21st birthday party. Have you seen the size of a church hall? Right? So you're telling me you've got a complement of 80 people on a starship that size with that much in the way of a lift and there's 80 people to get around. You must be late, like, late for work every day. It's like, how come you're three hours late for work? Oh, I've been in the turbo lift. <laughs> it quarters is the word I was looking for. Yes. Well, by the time you've got to the answer, it's now a da- it's, it's a dime. <laughs> Well, to be honest, it's taken me that long to find the word quarter because my brain was working through the turbo verse. <laughs> I mean, it was impre- um, from the special effects perspective, it was very interesting. Although, how on earth did Burnham survive that fall? No, the physics of that fall is well and truly. I mean, she she said to Book, "Oh, just hang on a minute, follow me," and then just leaps off and then drops. God knows how far. I mean, that was a big old drop, was that? I mean, they probably landed on that massive pussy. <laughs> Every every episode, that thing looks like looks like a fucking bouncy castle. <laughs> I mean, I love the fact that when he's having a fight, when he's fighting in the turbo lift, and he, he sort of calls it a cat, and he kicks him off and comes up with. I mean, I we we've said repeatedly that we absolutely love Book as a character, but it has to be one of the shittest one-liners I've ever heard, where he goes, it's not a cat, it's a queen. It's like, what the fuck? That makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, is queen the species? Is this us being misled by our preconceptions that the word queen just means that the cat's a bit of a, a princess? Or is it actually the name of a species? It'd be a shit name for a species if it was. And why that species would look identical to a cat and you wouldn't just call it a cat is beyond me. But as a one-liner, it just didn't work. I laughed more at the fact that it was shit than I did at the fact it was a one-liner. Well, unless it's one RuPaul's Drag Race. We're in the company of some amazing queens tonight. Where? Beast! Just didn't serve any purpose as a story. All I've noticed is it looks more like a Wookiee every time. It gets bigger every episode. <laughs> Oh my god! A poor old book didn't have a very good episode here, did he? I mean, he, no. he got put through the ring a little bit. I vaguely remember him being in it. Last time I saw him, he was being electrocuted. Then he wasn't, and then he was on in a fight in a, in a lip. <laughs> yeah, the end. Well, then it turns out he's got a bit of tardigrade in him. We don't want to find out how on earth he's got a little bit of tardigrade in him. You know what I mean? He goes around loving the creatures on different planets to save them, but that felt like it gone a step too far. If there's a little bit of tardigrade connection for him yeah well that's the point about the Doctor Doolittle thing again another MacGuffin is like oh what the one thing we want wanted to have happen to solve this problem just so happens that person with those skills is on board yeah you know it's like someone getting kidnapped and happened to have Liam Neeson sitting in the back I don't know who you are I don't know what you want if you're looking for a ransom I can tell you I don't have money but what I do have are a very particular set of skills skills I've acquired over a very long career Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. 
I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. <laughs> it's a slow burner, to be fair, that one. <laughs> it's only funny if you've seen Taken. Oh, do we think... What was the green girl called? Get You see, she was in it so little, I can't remember her name. I think this is kind of the point of where they've let us down with character development for some people. You're talking about the Irish one, aren't you? No, That's, the green one. The one you were talking about was Irish. Oh. Asira. Asira. So, Asira, I mean, she got a pretty decent run in the last episode. We got to see a little bit more of her, which frustratingly could have been done over the greater course of this season so that we cared a bit more about her or when I say cared as in like we had a bit more time invested in that character either wanting her to succeed and come good or die painfully because she was a real bitch and no sooner had we spent an episode really showing her in an interesting light we kill her off after five minutes because she didn't really do anything of interest in this episode she went back to that typical torture them take them away storm around try and kill everything and then get killed at the end I agree the the best episode with her as a character for me was last episode I thought it showed more than just the carbon copy villain a bit more three-dimensional than your average villain and then just very quickly terminated I think it was just such an easy death as well because at the end it they sort of rounded it up by saying oh she's dead and the emerald chain fell to pieces because she's dead and now everyone's joining the federation again so what come the start of season four is it pretty much where you need it to be for the federation to be back together again why not keep her alive but now she's not in a position of power she's in a prison emerald chain starts to unravel a little bit there's a lot of people vying for that power vacuum that's being created because in the last episode when they proposed the suggestion or the admiral did she said she'd have to go back to speak to the council so there's obviously sort of a i wouldn't necessarily say a, a democratic structure in place but presumably if they exist they would kick in or they'd try and keep things going just because the death of one person shouldn't mean that everything comes crumbling down so it was a bit of a shame that they killed her because it seemed like a, an easy out A to get rid of her as a character and B to basically get rid of the Emerald Chain which they'd mentioned continuously throughout this season shown very little of for us to actually give a shit and come next season what is it not going to exist? Well, that's another story narrative they've built up from episode 2 by bringing the guy in on the last episode that we saw in the second episode as the pseudo villain and they dispatched him quite quickly and he just got away with some minor frostbite or friction burns. <laughs> They've kind of built up this. So like in Walking Dead, I don't know whether you've seen Walking Dead, there's a villain, it's in the comics, there's a villain called Negan. Yeah, I have. I mean, I, that first episode when he comes in and he's, okay. spoiler alert, he stuffs somebody's head in with a bat. I mean, yeah. that was horrific, that. That's your villain. That's yeah. the villain. But you've been building up to him across uh, maybe a couple of seasons. You're hearing it, this mythical villain. It's like, who... Negan, who, you know, who is he kind of thing? And then you find him, you go, shit, we don't want to cross this guy or whoever the villain could be, but in this case, it's Negan. She's had the same thing apply to her where it's been bigged up, oh yeah, Asira, she's the Irish woman. <laughs> From the Emerald Chain, she's got some lucky Heather. Uh, now you mention it, it's got an Irish sound to it. She's yeah. green. The Emerald yeah. Chain feels. <laughs> it feels like this is. A, do you think this is a an underhand way to undermine Brexit from the Irish perspective? But the unfunny version. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
Oh, no, there certainly is that aspect but this the point is that she's been bigged up and we, then we see her and she's very quickly dispatched to get away from her and then we see light at the end of the tunnel that could give some real depth to her character as a villain as a negotiator as a trade ambassador as someone who's trying to work with the Federation in difficult times and we said it was about Brexit or not trying to work with them perhaps working with them when it suits her only to get her way to undermine it further down the line a bit like the Romulans were in the next gen where yeah. they'd cooperate with when it served the purpose but they were inv- inevitably bad people and therefore you'd have to keep watching your back or the Cardassians yes. in Deep Space Nine she could have been that kind of character that sort of that gal de cat type person yeah. where you can't help but love her but you know she's a baddie and at some point she's going to screw someone badly or do something really mean well I mean you mentioned the Cardassians to be fair they only got famous because of a sex tape <laughs> Was that the one that you've done that they didn't know you've taken? (laughs) It's great. No, you're absolutely spot on. And that's the problem. There was the depth of character only to be ruined at this juncture in this episode, which has now stopped that being a thing. And also, as you rightly say, there would be a second command. There would probably be a consortium of villains who are all part of the Emerald Chain, like the Orion Syndicate. There isn't just one person. And there's already, as we've already said in leadership, there's already somebody trying to vie for the next leadership position in a adversarial organization such as the Orion Syndicate and the Emerald Chain. It's clear to me there would be already somebody ready to take over similar as you would have with the Terran Empire they're all getting killed off to get a promotion which is something clearly you don't have to do in Federation you just sit at your desk for 40 years <laughs> I thought you had the promise of being a really good villain in the effort to tie up loose ends they've either ignored plot points or they've just very quickly gone dead I would have thought having the battle take a lot longer than 25 seconds would have been a a really good point to people who love that type of thing and have them with with their five ships that they've had, the same ships that we saw when they first met the Enterprise in that little globe that's got a cloaking device. It would have been great that they penetrated the shield. No idea what. Did anyone not see Rogue One? Come on, people. They got through the shields and then next minute, the warrior nuns come flying in on their horses or whatever their ships they have, join the battle. And at the end of it all, the warrior nuns become part of the Federation and they say, we are spread across the universe. We can help you establish contact with all the outposts and the other Federation planets. That would have been great. You introduced them. You had a big episode about it the absolute candor where a mum dobbed her in you had a whole episode about it so why wouldn't you fulfill that story plot otherwise you've just wasted another episode Tilly didn't <laughs> didn't come off particularly well in the last episode or indeed the episode before that she didn't particularly shine any great lights in this one either did she as a leader and a captain which is a shame because I feel I feel a bit disappointed that they've done that to her character I don't know why they felt they needed to make her the captain only to Almost, I feel almost embarrassed for her because it's almost she's been humiliated by being put in a position she should never have been put in and failed catastrophically as she was always likely to do. To be honest, I blame Saru entirely for that, which has kind of left me feeling a bit of bitterness towards Saru because he's done that to my favourite character, Tilly, and he's turned into this ridiculously selfish, self-centred character who's now just up and off skid. It's like, done i'm off to give me fellow kins people a hug on the planet which again is unrealistic because you can't hug anyone and it also just shows the fickleness of your captain if he's just gonna sod off for a complete stranger simply because of the same species to take your analogy further you know you bump into a stranger who happens to be human 
and he says, do you want to pop back to my place? And you go, all right. You don't know him, stranger danger. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You don't know the guy. You've just met him in queuing up with a two-meter distance in a coffee shop that can do takeaways. Go, with the mask. I, I thought you're a human. With a mask, yeah. Maybe that's good for dating because people don't really know how ugly people are. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm... Pre- it's like on the mask when you look at people's eyes they look beautiful and they take the mask off and they're like (laughs) (laughs) moving on she's taking a back seat now isn't she she's quite literally just stepped back I mean I'd be interested to see who Burnham makes her number one was it suggested that Saru was going to come back after his sabbatical I don't know I I might have tuned out of that I just thought it was a bit of a cheek considering this is the person who's complained and complained and complained about being a captain he's been overlooked time and time and time again the moment he becomes captain the first the first First time he just sods off. Tilly did exactly what I said she was going to do: relinquish her position because she's a terrified mouse, and gives it to the one person that we knew, and we all we got an inkling of how she was going to be as a captain. Gives it to Burnham, and also I said they were going to mine the dilithium, and I said it would be all nice because everyone would be happy and equal, and that's exactly what they're going to do. All because they managed to stumble across a ship that's got a spore drive and put their weight team at risk with radiation poisoning to have a chat with someone and give them a lollipop and an ice cream because he hit puberty. <laughs> and what do we think about Burnham as the captain? What was her slogan as they punch punch it? It was flight was it fly away, darling, or um, oh, let's the, let's fly. It was the Ryanair one, wasn't it? Come fly with me. Yeah, that let's fly. I mean <sighs> Fuck off, is what I say. <laughs> what, what about oh, just, shit? just what about either A not having one because it feels too try hard, or B just go, let's go. <laughs> what do you want to do, Captain? Uh, let's go to that planet. Let's go. Well, what do you say when you get in the car? Off we pop. Oh, sh- <laughs> shit, we need petrol. <laughs> you've left you've run it empty again. <laughs> yeah. Well the fumes here. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a bit wank, wasn't it? Uh, that's, that's... <laughs> what do you think about the new uniforms as well? Because it, it looks like we've got a new uniform for the next season. It was inevitable, wasn't it, that they were going to have the um, the uniforms because we've had these for three years now and anyone who's into merchandising will want to have the latest thing. So that was inevitable. To answer your question, I thought they looked quite jazzy. I like the fact that Burnham's a captain. It's been a long time coming, but we knew that was inevitable. Saru, who's that? <laughs> I mean, I don't think they look as good as the old ones no but they've got to update them haven't they we've got going into four years of Star Trek you think they changed the uniform in season two next gen yeah because that was the thing they were struggling with with Voyager wasn't it how do you change the uniform in Voyager when you don't know the uniforms changed everywhere else in the Federation well you didn't you couldn't they stayed the same throughout I mean next gen they needed to change the outfits because it was too tight around the crotch yeah. <laughs> I mean Deep Space Now was probably the main one wasn't it where they had a proper change well, then they were also affected by the movie. So the yeah. movie uniform was introduced to Deep Space Nine and latterly Voyager when they all got back, I think. there was, I think there was a shift in the uniform, but definitely Deep Space Nine was where you saw it impacted because you had the end of the next gen where they introduced their last one. And I think you actually saw on next gen and in fact, Generations. The reason why you saw it in Generations is because the uniform they gave to Georgia LaForge didn't fit properly. That's why his sleeves are rolled up. The same was said with William Riker because he's quite a tall guy isn't he he's like a huge tree it was tight and short in the wrong places that's why certain times you see him with his sleeves rolled up because it didn't fit properly but those uniforms were from Deep Space Nine and they put them into Generations because it made the bridge look a bit busy with different types of uniforms now Saru's left us in this episode feeling like or leaving me feeling like 
he was a bit of a dick for the reasons that we've just been through. A person who definitely also qualifies in the knobhead category is Stamets, who was a proper knob at the end to Burnham because she fired him out for Jeffrey's tube. I mean, in fairness, in normal circumstances, firing him into space with a, an escape pod against his will might be sort of perceived as not ideal at that moment in time. But what was it that Stamets thought he was going to achieve by staying on the ship? Because they didn't have control of the spore drive area, so they couldn't jump. He was quite literally the only person who could activate the spore drive at that moment, as far as we were aware. So it was absolutely positively safe, the best idea to fire him off the ship to get him away. And what did he think if he'd have stayed on the ship, that Green Girl would have somehow allowed him to spore drive back to that planet to save Colbert and Co? Of course she wouldn't. So I'm, I'm not really sure what being the bonnet Stamets has, bar the fact that Burnham got him off the ship against his will, but anyone in the cold light day would look at that and go actually it was the right decision and as it turns out she was right because not only did she get the ship back she also saved me fella in the process well essentially she's saved his life i'd be over the moon i just thought that the way he's reacted i don't know it, it will obviously make for an interesting dynamic in the next season but again there was just no there's no justification for him being that moody about it all everything that burnham did was justified and was proven to have been the correct decision by him not being on the ship the emerald chain weren't able to get the hands on the spore drive which has probably saved that entire quadrant of a dictatorship from an evil trade organization they've saved colbert because by getting back the ship because the spore drive wasn't on there so they couldn't just spore around happy larry they've saved them and stamets wasn't left living an entire life with that brain control thing halo on which is probably how it would have gone had they have kept stamets in that spore drive i agree i think that was the best decision she could have made but he doesn't see that and he was being a no. proper no about it as well oh absolutely i mean it's going to be an awkward episode one on season four isn't it well it is tell you who's a coward if you're a um, career federation officer that's what you'd be loving to be like a ship's captain anything like that in the navy or wherever that's your career and it's just been given to someone and, and we said about this in a couple of episodes ago where you're being passed over to someone who's less than your rank because ensign i think if i'm right is the bottom yeah it is thing so if you've worked and you've been career federation and suddenly this girl who's just been a friend of the crew and is one of the popular ones gets to be captain like, hang on a minute and then relinquishes it when the first sign of anything that could be slightly seen as pressurizing gives it to another person who's been less than following federation protocol and then the captain who also wasn't happy about being passed over just abandoned the ship and then also engineering guy or whatever it is that whatever stamets does he's not happy with you either it's gonna be a little bit awkward well it could be even more awkward next season because they don't even need stamets Stamets do they? Or Saru? No. Well, the best question to ask you and the listeners, tell me what you think Saru's role will be in season four, seeing as he's already run his course. Well, What's I don't know. Do? The only thing he's going to do is create a weird vibe when he, if he decides he wants to come back to Discovery because Burnham is undoubtedly going to do a good job as captain because it's like a duck to water. She was the natural successor and she's proved repeatedly that she is everything that we usually expect and get from a captain character, isn't it? 
isn't it? Exactly that. And is she going to relinquish her seat? I don't think she is, because this is what she was made to do. Yeah. She's got a battle. She's got a mission now. The Federation is now getting itself back up. It's dusting itself off. She's a go-getter. She's been in so many situations before where the dilemma has been presented and she's been able to think of another way. It might not be the best for a Starfleet perspective, but it's been one that suits her narrative at any cost she gets the solution. She's not hesitant. She doesn't freeze when she's in a combat situation. She's ideal. She's perfect. It's just interesting how now these other characters that have sort of stepped away from the limelight are going to reintegrate themselves. And when she's had a personal challenge, the first thing she hasn't done is jip off the job, which is what Saru's done. First time Saru's had a little bit of a ping at the old heartstrings and he's gone, right, I don't think he's got the moral high ground to come back to take the captain's role either. A, because the way he's just abandoned it quite happily and B, because when he was the captain well the irony is up until this season when he was captain he was brilliant and in this season he's just been terrible he's gone crying to his superiors because he can't manage his team and then when the first opportunity has arisen for him to make a decision between practicing what he preaches and following suit for the people who he blew up he's gone down that exact same he's a hypocrite is what he is oh I totally agree it's just going to be a difficult dynamic to manage it seems absolutely reckless to have him stay on a planet simply because he's met someone that's similar in species without taking a step back and looking at the greater problems that have been caused by that one thing because essentially you have to address the elephants in the room he's caused the death of millions whatever's created that is academic at the stage they're the results of the fact he's killed millions of people how do you resolve that with people who've lost people well interestingly I mean I'm claiming this as a victory insofar as I thought that the Federation would be responsible for the burn and technically they were because it was a federation ship that they were on and the reason why they were there was federation business so i'm claiming that as tenuous as it is in fact to be honest i am claiming that because the actual reason why the burn happened was so shit and so random that quite frankly i deserve to be right because i just thought it was really really naff the way that this kid basically got to scream and his scream destroyed everything in the universe well if you're going to do that then I'm going to claim that I invented the telephone because when I was seven I once had two tins of beans attached to a piece of string and spoke to my friend (laughs) was he your imaginary friend he was and did that imaginary friend become a real friend left me through (laughs) they all leave Mark they all leave Yeah, it just felt like a bit of a rubbish explanation for the burn, really. Oh, yeah. I think at this point, they were literally just going, we don't care now, we're in lockdown. Probably the half the staff on the on the show have been furloughed. But thankfully, now we've established it was a child screaming and not the brutal issues that are caused by the need for dilithium or the planets which are destroyed by the sheer volume of mining of dilithium in order to fuel the starships for the whole quadrant. Now we've buried that environmental doozy because that's what I thought we were. I thought the whole point of that plot line was for them to realise actually dilithium wasn't great for the planet because it still required mining and mining meant using a resource that actually was a natural resource that perhaps shouldn't as opposed to say the spore drive which was less it didn't require any mining and therefore it was perhaps more environmentally friendly and I thought that's what they were going down the whole route of finding a more environmentally considerate way of transporting themselves around the galaxy but actually at the end of this they basically all just gone oh yeah it was a kid screaming right crack on with the mining (laughs) 
again, mirrors what goes on in today's society, isn't it? It's like everyone's happy to be inverted commas green until they realise that, well, Leo, let me ask you this question because we have similar things about the planet. Would you ever ride a bike to work knowing that it's a greener option? Would you cycle to work? No. And that's largely because we live in England and we live in the northwest of England and we are gifted with copious amounts of rain and cold weather and just generally winds, frost. It's not a a nice place to ride a bike and there's no bike lanes around here and we live in an area where there's lots of country roads and if you're in America and you've never been to England, when I say country roads, I don't mean those sort of desert roads that you have which just run in a straight line. Our country roads are about as wide, you can probably touch hedges if you stretch your arms out on both sides of the road and they wind around and you get stupid teenagers who've borrowed mum's car and they're trying to impress the mates doing 100 miles an hour around these corners and there's you pootling along in the driving rain (laughs) on a bike and invariably will get wiped out. But it's saving the planet, mate. Well, it will do because it'll save me using up oxygen and resources because it'll be dead. Photosynthesis, it's all good. Yeah, so... um, That's the reason. That's the reason we will get in our car because it is far more easier to do so. And that's all that the Federation have done is, oh, yeah, we're really green. We're looking out for the planet. Oh, Dilithium, let's crack on. <laughs> As you were. Yeah. And so that's that plot point now solved, done. Let's move on. <laughs> well, I guess we should look at Easter eggs because I don't want to delve too much more into the episode because we're in danger of perhaps looking at the season more as a whole. And I don't want us to be treading over old ground when we do our review. So what Easter eggs did we have in here with the exception of Voyager? Because I don't feel that justifies a second mention because it was so outrageously on the nose. Oh, I agree. I thought it was just a poor attempt to throw in something that's going to keep the fans from going and slipping into a coma. Warning! Warning! Admittedly, not loads that I could see, maybe because I was, in fact, in a coma and having people play whale music to me. There was one thing I saw that I thought was a bit reminiscent of a James Bond film. I wouldn't say it's specifically an Easter egg. It's the bit where a Cyrus ship is enveloping Discovery. I had a kind of a James Bond baddie. I'm trying to think of the film. Is it it was the Pierce Brosnan one, wasn't it, where he had that weird ship? It was the news guy. Oh, but... the ship. Yeah. The ship. Yeah. Right, okay. I'm sure I'd seen it. I wasn't sure that it was Thunderball or one of those, but it probably is Pierce it was the uh, media mogul. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what's a Gormagon? Because they mentioned a Gormagon. It's like a Gormagon or something like that. And I was sitting there thinking, where's that? Where do I recognise that name from? Is that I from kn- Stranger Things? Right. That was something I picked up on. And I'm glad you mentioned it because I was thinking, isn't that Stranger Things? It's similar, but it's not the same. Right. I, th- I think there's a Demogorgon or something. It's still a mythical creature. I don't know whether it has any canon in Star Trek that I'm aware of. I just thought it was too similar to Stranger Things, if I'm honest. And I think maybe the writers were getting a little bit tipsy with the Yuletide drink at this point and went, we need something. What have we got on Netflix at the moment? Stranger Things? Yeah, Gormigan. Gormigan. <laughs> it was either that or twats. Um, <laughs> that was that one. And then the other one, really, when the credits are rolling at the end, we get the original series theme tune, which I thought was mahoosively out of place, considering that now, yes, we are 10 years before Kirk, but now we're in the future. Well, I've got an Easter egg you've missed. 
go on. The colours on the new uniform are back to the next-gen colours with the red being command and the gold being security and engineering, is it? And then blue being science and, well, it's normally medical, isn't it? But they've gone with white for medical, whereas obviously the original series one, so the Discovery's original uniforms went with the gold for command, wasn't it? Yeah, I love your uh, efforts, but that was an Easter egg that I gave you in episode six. I know, but I was merely pointing it out that the... <laughs> Again! <laughs> you need to get a job on the uh, the script writers. It's all right, people. I'm claiming that, much the same as I'm claiming that I was absolutely right about the burn. <laughs> If you disagree with me or you want to take issue, then get in touch. If you don't get in touch, I have absolute control. So if you haven't got any others, that's all I had. No, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> there aren't any more I can make up or claim from a previous episode. Because, as you quite rightly said, that the episode was made up of holodeck and ship stuff. There wasn't any, really, that I saw they're thrown in. There might have been. I'm sure that some eagle-eyed person may have seen something that I missed, but I think I was just stabbed myself in the leg with a fork. <laughs> <laughs> so are you going to give this episode out of 10? Six. Okay. The explanation, it wasn't a great finish. For the reasons I've said, I thought it was clumsy. I think the stories that we've said from the very beginning were rushed and not even followed through. There were loads of story threads that were never completed. We brought in people that we saw in episode one. The guy, I say, who's now a lieutenant, didn't make any sense. If you're going to introduce him in episode one, we said, why not have him back across some of the episodes to see how he's getting on, making contact with things like that. No, 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 no. We don't even know what the time frame is that they've been there. But let's say they've been there for six months. So in six months, a guy in the high street is now a lieutenant. That's what we're saying. The warrior nuns have been wasted. How has he got there? Is that because of the dilithium that he's now able to go there to get his commission? Because prior to then, they hadn't been in contact with anyone for, well, forever, had he? No. And no one had been to visit him. So presumably it was because he was so isolated. So I'm assuming it was the ability to get dilithium to get there to pick him up, to bring him back to give him a new uniform yes but i think probably they're hoping that people just don't care less <laughs> but again just another example of poor and tardy story plots you've seen people being thrown into the mix and then other people who are established like again we get to see uh, the um the engineer one the funny one yeah reno for about 30 reno. seconds yeah i don't understand i mean unless they are doing i know we're joking but unless they are filming this via covid and they can only fit too many people in a room and they go can you come to set today and we'll only have you they're not using the full complement of the crew that they've tried so hard to bring to the forefront and make rather than just background people give them a story which i think is a great idea at the risk of other storylines being completed but they've not even brought in your own crew members so this guy from episode one who now we're supposed to remember who he is just thought the whole episode was poorly managed and didn't meet my expectations wow okay and well as i've already said i don't know what we're going to do with saru am i bothered not really Am I bothered about Tilly being back to an ensign? Well, not really, because I thought that's what it should be and follow due process. And you shouldn't be given brownie points just because you happen to be the person in the same room. Damning, damning criticism. What did you think? I'm going to give this episode a seven. I think the action parts of this episode were good enough to entertain me. I'm talking about this episode in isolation of the whole season because if I, I suppose as part of a three episode arc, it was a relatively entertaining climax but there was nothing special there was no interesting twists we weren't left with any cliffhangers it was what it was so it was a very run-of-the-mill episode and i quite enjoyed watching it i'll watch it again 
you for watching again. I might like you just fast forward the B plot holodeck parts. But yeah, it, it was alright. It wasn't offensive. It was better than some of the episodes we've had to endure this season. And in isolation as an episode, I thought it was okay. It wouldn't score as highly if I was to look at it in the wider context of the season and those storylines that it tried to conclude that we've been sort of spoon-fed throughout season three. But I'll leave that for the season three review because I'm sure we've got a lot more to go through on that. Reed, I think if you were to edit it out and just have the action scenes, it would have scored more highly for me. So that brings an end to our review of season three episode by episode as i've mentioned we're going to do one more show for season three which will be a full season review and we'll see if we can get some of our older faces from the picard talk episodes to throw in there to pennisworth too keep an eye out for that to drop very soon mentioned it before check us out on social media drop us an email if you want to donate to help keep the lights on then that would be cool you can go to patreon.com forward slash the pod station then that's about it really isn't it i think so yeah splendid thank you very much for listening again hope you've enjoyed the show don't forget to give us a a vote on this episode which you can find on our twitter channel and we'll catch you next time thanks for listening away team out (laughs) 